Thank you for joining us and welcome back Beyond the Bandwagon. I am Elias and with me as always is Kyla. Hey. We are on the second episode of our new season. Last week we dove into sort of the state of the NFL and discussed impact fantasy options that are on new teams. So check that out. Yeah. This week we're going to do something a little different. We both picked five guys that we like for the upcoming fantasy season and five guys that we dislike. Um, why we dislike them or like them could be because of their average draft position, their upside, their injury history, uh, a ton of reasons. What now? Or their personality. Or their personality. (laughs) Maybe a little bit more on your side, except for when I talk about Drew Locke. But (laughs) (laughs) Kyla, get us started. Drum roll, please. Okay. First guy. Go for it. We're just going to jump right in. We got a lot to go over. Uh, My first guy, we're going to do the guys that we like first, is Hayden Hurst, tight end from Atlanta. Last year, Hayden Hurst played behind Mark Andrews. The Falcons traded a second round pick for him after letting Austin Hooper walk to the Browns. He's really walking into a dream scenario here, in my opinion. Matt Ryan has already given him high praise. Last season, Austin Hooper was the sixth most targeted tight end with 97 targets, and he missed three games. Mm -hmm. Atlanta has very little depth behind Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. They need a number three guy, and the fact that they traded a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst makes it seem like they're confident in his abilities. The Falcons do like to throw the ball with Matt Ryan finishing third in attempts last season with 616, I think we mentioned that last week. That was behind only Jared Goff and Jameis Winston. So the potential here, to me, is too great to pass up uh, if just based on volume alone, especially since you can get him in the later rounds. I think his average draft position is round 11. So Yeah, it it really seems like he's underrated. Like a lot of uh, ratings that you'll find have him maybe in the top 15, probably around 10. Somewhere yeah. in that in that area, and it seems like he's going to have a, a great season. Lots of single coverage playing in between Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I'm going to go ahead and just stick with the Falcons theme here. And okay. for my first like, I am also going to go with Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you talked about with Hayden Hurst, just a lot of targets available with the Falcons. And Ridley was on pace to get over 1,000 yards receiving prior to an abdominal injury last season. He settled for 63 catches, 866 yards, and seven touchdowns. Also had 13.7 yards per catch. And that, that was all in, in 13 games. Wow. I think he's got the potential to be a high-end receiver two, maybe a wide receiver one in larger leagues. He's being drafted as the 19th receiver in ESPN leagues. So he seems like a bit of a bargain. And Definitely. I'm really not a believer, as we've talked about a little bit, in Todd Gurley this season. (laughs) So I just really think the Falcons will continue to throw an absolute ton. And maybe my favorite stat about him, five Falcons had more targets in the red zone in 2019 than him, but he still led the team in touchdowns with seven. Um, He just makes huge plays, 17 touchdowns in his first two seasons. Statistically, just a couple of the best seasons to start a career in NFL history. And I think this season he finally breaks out. Yeah, I agree with you. I like Calvin Ridley. I think that he and Julio Jones could be 
the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin of this season. I think mm-hmm. they could both go over a thousand yards. So I'm just going to say, I think Calvin Ridley is going to be this year's Chris Godwin of the draft. So uh, a top 10 guy. Maybe. It, I think it's definitely possible. Last season, possible though, Chris too. Chris Godwin snuck into our top 10 in, in final scoring. He was number 10, I believe, in our league. He was so, amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. <laughs> high, high praise from Kyla. <laughs> no, I definitely think that Calvin Ridley is going to finish as a wide receiver one, though, this year. He's gonna, And you're going to get him at a good bargain. For sure. My next guy, my next couple of guys actually are from the Steelers. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm really high on this year. He is coming off a terrible season. There's no doubt about that. Really awful. He finished with 42 receptions for 552 yards and three touchdowns. And that is not what anybody expected from him going into the 2019 season. With that said, in fairness, he did play with Mason Rudolph and Delvin, a.k.a. Duck Duck. Hodges. (laughs) The majority of the season. So that definitely did not do him any favors. With Big Ben back, I think that Smith-Schuster bounces back this season. In 2018, with Roethlisberger under center, he was targeted 166 times. He caught 111 passes for 1,426 yards and seven touchdowns. That was with Antonio Brown, who also had 168 targets. So Deontay Johnson has emerged, which we'll talk more about next week, I think. But that, to me, doesn't decrease the value of Juju. To me, that draws attention off of him. So he's free to make plays in the slot, as he did when Pittsburgh had Antonio Brown. So I think he is a prime candidate for a bounce-back season, and the Steelers as a whole will have a significantly improved offense compared to last season. Yeah, I I feel the same way. He's got to love the... The bin is back when you have a guy named Duck throwing you passes. <laughs> yeah, two two years ago, 111 catches and then 42 last year. It's just yeah. incredible. And if you're talking about fantasy owners being disappointed, last season in our league, my wife, Bethany, she had Juju. Her team name was Cuckoo for Juju. <laughs> and then Juju just let her down so hard. Yeah. Uh, super disappointing for her. W- would you like to keep going with the Steeler trend here? I can't continue on. This can lead me to my next person is James Conner, who's a running back for Pittsburgh. Um, Even after having him last year with the injuries, it was super frustrating. But I still draft him again this season. Again, with Ben Roethlisberger back, it makes the whole offense much better. There's a lot of running backs behind Conner, but Mike Tomlin has said that he's a feature back kind of guy. And he did dub James Conner as the feature back. So it's also worth noting that he's in a contract year this season, which gives him a little bit more incentive to play his best. In 2018, he proved what he can do. And he finished with 13 games with 215 carries, 973 yards, and 12 touchdowns. I think we should all just agree (laughs) that last season for the Steelers (laughs) offense was the outlier. Uh, so I'm going to forgive and forget. I, James Conner is one from last season that I can forgive. And I'm not going to take him in the first round like I did. I think I took him in the first round last year. Not going to do that again. Probably not even the second round, but 
if it comes back to the third round and it's my turn, I'm taking him. I would take him over Melvin Gordon. I'd take him over Le'Veon Bell, probably even Todd Gurley. So, yeah, I think I think all the Steelers are going to bounce back this year. Yeah, and that seems to be the thing about where he's ranked as well, is that he's ranked around like the 18th to 20th back on a lot of lists in that, and that's right around the time where you get to timeshares. Mm-hmm. And even though everyone seems to think that Jalen Samuels is going to have this huge role, if James Conner is productive, it's going to be James Conner's role. Yeah, for sure. And I assume last year as well that there were probably eight guys in the box a lot when you have a guy named Duck and then <laughs> Rudolph throwing the football. They're not really worried about that. Yeah. So it was probably extremely hard to run. Um, another RB that I like a ton this year is Kenyon Drake for the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came on like a ball of fire last season after being traded from Miami to Arizona. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry for the Dolphins, but then with the Cardinals, he averaged 5.2 with with more than uh, 100 yards from scrimmage per game. I think Drake keeps rolling this season for an offense. The whole fantasy world seems to be just like over the moon about whether you're talking about Kyler Murray Murray or or DeAndre Hopkins. The uh, Cardinals are just very highly thought of. They'll also likely be losing a lot because their defense still is not very good. Mm -hmm. And... Drake is projected, I've seen a couple of times, to catch around 40 to 50 balls as as well. So he's going to get a ton of stats in the receiving game. Um, he's projected as the 12th RB in PPR on ESPN, and he's ninth on Yahoo. I feel that's a little bit too low. To me, he's easily a, a top 10 RB. Uh, just consider last season he had 20 runs of over 10 yards. Just yeah. he He was explosive and... He has all my confidence. Yeah. (laughs) I really like him too. I agree with you. I think the whole offense is going to be very fantasy friendly. Like you said, they're going to be down. They're going to be coming from behind and he's going to be pretty involved in the passing game. So I like him a lot. And they didn't really add anybody to like threaten him. Like sure they have Chase Edmonds, but is he really going to take away from Kenyon Drake? Not really. No, not not really. My third guy is a receiver from the Titans, A.J. Brown. Last season, Brown became the first rookie receiver since Randy Moss to catch at least 50 passes, total 1,000 receiving yards, and score five TDs while averaging 17 yards per catch. That's pretty much just a huge way of saying that he is a big play waiting to happen. In fact, he averaged 20.2 yards per catch and really took over as the number one option for Ryan Tannehill, who surprisingly was super confident in the Titans offense last season. Yeah. Uh, They're seen as a running team with Derrick Henry, but the Titans seem to play plenty of exciting games, and that gives Brown a, a ton of opportunities. I think he's going to be really solid and... He's going to be a solid, if not spectacular, wide receiver, too. Yeah, I like him. I think he picks up where he left off. He really came on strong at the end of last season and really seemed to develop good chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. You're right. Um, He wasn't a full-time starter until, what, like week nine? And after that, he was amazing. So I look for that to just continue as 2020 gets going. Uh, My next guy, keep it with wide receivers. Last year, I was a big Tyler Lockett guy. This year, I'm a big DK Metcalf guy. I like him a lot, the wide receiver for Seattle. 
I don't know how you could not like this guy this season. He had a slow start while getting integrated into the Seahawks offense last year, which isn't surprising really for a rookie receiver, but he really started to come on strong by the end of the season. 35 of his catches um, came in the last seven games, and he finished the whole season with 58 catches. So we know Seattle is committed to running the ball, but even with that, Russell Wilson did finish 12th in pass attempts per game with 516, which kind of surprised me. And um, he finishes the eighth most accurate quarterback last season. So he's playing with a very high caliber quarterback, which is always obviously very beneficial for wide receivers. Metcalf finished last season with 58 catches, as I said, for 900 yards and seven touchdowns. He seemed to earn the trust of Russell Wilson, which was evidenced by a seven catch, 160 yard, one touchdown performance in the playoff game against the Eagles, which was a rookie record for most receiving yards in a playoff game. Tyler Lockett is still in Seattle and is still a very trusted target for Russell Wilson because he has a 75% catch percentage, which is really good. (laughs) But Metcalf is huge and he is fast and he is going to be a menace for defenders. So his floor to me is what he did last year, which wasn't terrible. He was a wide receiver three, but his ceiling is much, much higher. I think it's possible that he could surpass Tyler Lockett on the depth chart by the end of the season, if all goes well. Yeah, same here. He's just a much bigger target. And in that that playoff game, he seemed to be the number one guy. Yeah. So very bright future for DK. Uh, we're going to stay in the NFC West, and I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert mm. of the 49ers, the RB, for my next guy. Um, pretty much anyone who listened last season knows that I love the Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak zone blocking scheme. Uh, Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. He's famous for that. And Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers runs the same offense. Uh, seems like a bit of a family business. Yeah. It, and the RB in that offense is always worth adding. Now, currently for the 49ers, that's tough to figure out because it's RB by committee. Mm-hmm. So you never quite know who's going to get more carries per game. However, the San Jose Mercury News reported a few days ago that Mostert was leading the RB rotation. Uh, Tevin Coleman may get a few starts and he's definitely going to get a lot of playing time. Um, considering he's the bigger body. And then Jarek McKinnon will likely get the third down work, but I feel that Mostert is projected to get the most touches over the course of the season, Mm. which obviously makes him the most valuable of all those guys. Uh, There are two things that are in his favor fantasy-wise. The first being that with a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, I just think the 49ers are always going to be a running team. They're never going to lean completely into the past. There's always going to be volume for Mostert. And then the second thing in his favor is where he's being drafted. He's ranked right now on ESPN as a 28th overall RB. So you could potentially draft a guy who could get up to 800, 900, maybe even 1,000 yards on the ground if you're lucky with the 28th overall RB pick. Yeah, which screams value. There's no one you're going to find that late in the draft that uh, can give you that amount of yards. Right. And I just think that if you're looking, especially if you are not able to get the RBs that you wanted and you're looking for depth, 
if he winds up being your RB2 or maybe even the guy that you put in your flex, you're in a great spot. Yeah. So I think it's definitely someone to target in, in the middle rounds of your draft. Yeah, I don't disagree. My only hesitation with him is that Kyle Shanahan has proven that he has no qualms with going with the hot hand. So last season, it could have been Moser, It could have been Tevin Coleman. It could have been Matt Breida any given week. But they did ship out Breida. He went to Miami. Coleman is still there. Like you said, they do have Jarek McKinnon. So there's a little hesitancy for me, but you're right. There's plenty of upside. And he did finish strong in 2019. He kind of took over that spot. So hopefully that carries on into 2020. And if he does stick as the the lead guy, that is huge value at the RB28 for sure. And he could lose that that hot hand. You know, that's possible. If Tevin yeah. Coleman has a great game, maybe Mostert, he, maybe he is the number two guy for a while, but I just think over the course of the year, you looked how he performed in the postseason. They're not going to forget about that. He knows the offense well. He can run that offense well. The, the way that they, on the line, get spaced out, he is great at finding that first cutback lane and moving upfield. I, I don't know if Tevin Coleman is exactly used to that sort of running like Mostert is. Yeah, I just think he's gonna. They're, they're gonna go for the hot hand, but I just, just really think it's gonna be him. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. Second with valuable RBs, my next guy is Kareem Hunt, running back for the Cleveland Browns. I like Hunt this year. Baker Mayfield really struggled last season, and if that's the case again this year, which it very well could be. The Browns will really have to lean on the running game. I think they'll be focusing on the run anyway, just because with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think that is arguably the best running back duo in the league. Um, I do not by any means think that Nick Chubb is going to be out of a job. Chubb is going to be the number one guy there, hands down, but Hunt is going to be the passing down guy. He finished the season in 2019 with virtually the same amount of receptions and yards as Chubb, in half the games. Nick Chubb will serve as the early down, ground and pound, wear the defense down kind of guy, while Hunt is going to be the change of pace guy. He had nearly an 85% catch rate last season, which is really good, if you don't know. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, his value is less if you're playing in standard leagues, but we're in PPR, and I love him as a low-end RB2 flex play weekly. I think he offers value on his own, but if, heaven forbid, Chubb were to go down with an injury, I think Kareem Hunt would be a top-five play based on his skill set. So he'd 100% be able to step up and be in that starting role with no problem. We've seen him do it, Mm -hmm. and he is definitely going to be one of my mid-round targets. Yeah, I've seen him projected with, with as many as 65 catches. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. And it it does, like, how much do you think it takes away from Chubb's value? I don't think it really does because in the early part of the season last year, before when Kareem Hunt was still suspended, they didn't use Chubb that much in the passing game anyway. Okay. So I don't think it takes that much away from Nick Chubb, honestly. Okay. So to uh, close out our likes, I have a bit of a homer pick, Mm -hmm. but also one that I believe in, and that is quarterback Drew Locke 
of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> so Locke is learning under new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer. So with all the moving pieces and a new offense, I think there's a chance that Locke suffers because of the gigantic learning curve and a lack of preseason games because of COVID. That's definitely a possibility, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he hits the ground running. Uh, the Broncos have one of the most talented groups of skill players in the NFL. As a group, they're super young, extremely young, mm-hmm. and it may take another year for them to truly gel into an elite offense. But I think that Locke can work his way in, into the QB2 conversation. Uh, Shermer runs a very well-designed passing game, and GN, GM John Elway has set up Locke to succeed in every possible way. They're too deep at RB. Could have two future Pro Bowlers at receiver. Can go three deep at tight end, and you know, at at tight end they they drafted Albert O out of Missouri, and they have Nick Vanett um, in addition to Nick or uh, Noah Fant uh, for your backup QB spot. I think you could do a lot worse than Locke, and if you're in a league that starts two QBs, those are rare. But I'm in one. Mm-hmm. I I think the uh, Locke could do a great job as your QB too. Just look out, man. The Broncos are good. <laughs> the Broncos are going to be good. Maybe not this year to the degree that I'm hoping for, but it's coming. <laughs> I think uh, I think you're right about Drew Locke. I think there could be weeks where you could kind of plug him in and play him depending on who the Broncos are playing because he does have such dynamic weapons he's got Cortland Sutton who's amazing Noah Fant the rookie Jerry Judy I I think things are looking up for Denver and I I I don't hate Drew Locke I like him (laughs) (laughs) such a vote of confidence I definitely don't hate him either keep your eye out if you need a backup QB especially if you can get him at value uh he's ranked around I think maybe the 20th quarterback or a little higher I think ESPN, he's around 22. So that's definite value there. He's ranked behind guys who I'm not as high on, like a Baker Mayfield. Yeah, no. Don't don't draft Baker Mayfield. Whatever you do, do not draft Baker Mayfield this year. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I mean, personally, I would stay away from from Baker, no doubt, (laughs) especially if I have a chance to draft Drew Locke two rounds later, three rounds later, maybe. Yeah. So just keep your eyes open. (laughs) All right, moving on. To our dislikes, this might be a little bit more fun. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) My first guy that I am not high on this year, which I kind of touched on briefly last week, is Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, a lot of people are going to disagree with me here because Josh Allen finished as the QB6 in fantasy last season. Which is really hard to believe, considering he was dead last in completion percentage. But it's because he can run, which he will still be able to do this season. But I just just don't buy in to Josh Allen being good. He's a terrible passer. The accuracy of the deep ball just is not there. I think I mentioned this last week, but it was something like 27% completion percentage on passes of more than 20 yards. So I think he'll get some points on his legs. And depending on the matchup, you could start him some weeks, but I am not using a draft pick on him as a top 10 option. I'd rather have Drew Brees, which we're actually going to talk about next, 
Matthew Uh-oh. Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know. Rushing touchdowns in our league are going to be worth less than passing touchdowns. So that is something to consider. But I would rather have someone who can consistently give me three to four passing touchdowns per week than someone who could possibly maybe give me one rushing touchdown and one to two passing. So I don't know. I realize I don't have a great argument here. But I'm just not sold on the hype, and something is just telling me that I need to stay away from Josh Allen and that nobody needs to draft him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. I think the fact that he is terrible He's throwing the, the, the deep ball is a good argument, considering that they got Stefan Diggs in that for that very thing, and he's not very good at it. I mean, that's yeah. just really... <laughs> simple truth yeah. now 17 touchdowns on the ground in his first two seasons combined and over 1100 yards on the ground so that's that's something yeah and that's what's keeping him in this conversation mm-hmm. i also you know i don't really want the bills mafia coming after me <laughs> so you know what i'm pretty high on Josh Allen, <laughs> just keep your negativity toward Kyla. Okay. I, now, I as, as for the Saints Mafia, which there's probably something like that out there, my first dislike of the season is is Drew Brees. Uh, um, just stay with me. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> it doesn't seem, <laughs> you know, doesn't seem like a good pick. Just stay with me. <laughs> this, this pick for me really overall is just about the changing of the guard at the quarterback position. The classic pocket passer that Breeze is, is no longer in vogue. If you look at the top 10 of fantasy, there aren't a lot of guys like Drew Breeze anymore. You have Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. You have guys that can run and pass. And if you can get all those rushing stats and you can get a quarterback like that i just feel that that's so much more valuable than a guy like drew Brees. yeah now if you're in a point in your draft where you need a qb right and you're looking at wilson matt ryan or maybe even josh allen to be honest we will disagree here obviously <laughs> but i i would go with any of them over breeze the name recognition of breeze I feel like is the big thing. I feel like we've both been in drafts where even in a previous year where he might be a little bit more highly ranked, maybe you're looking at the QB four and there, if it was a few years ago, you've got Cam Newton and a few other guys and people take Drew Brees simply because his name is Drew Brees and not because he's the better fantasy option. Yeah. I, He's up there in age, even though he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's up there in age. His arm strength has definitely decreased. If you can get him at a value. So in my opinion, that is after the top 10 quarterbacks and you are deep at other positions, then I would go Drew Brees. Otherwise, I just really feel there are other guys that can be just as competitive. You look at Big Ben. Matthew Stafford, Big Ben, as long as he's healthy, I fully expect to put up just as many yards as Drew Brees, if not more. And you're just going to have that guy in your league that thinks it's 2011, and he's going to draft Adrian Peterson, <laughs> Drew Brees, and Larry Fitzgerald. And it's going to be Tom. Gonna Everybody, yeah, in, in our league, it might be Tom. 
but in every league there's that person that is like eight nine ten years behind and they draft these guys let somebody else make the mistake and just take someone else choose choose youth for for my dislikes <laughs> that's going to be the main thing here choose youth over these guys who are over 40 years old i don't i don't think that's fair i if you listen last season i did a whole little spiel about how awesome drew Brees is i love drew Brees, big drew Brees guy he is the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. He got an upgrade at wide receiver, too. He's got Emmanuel Sanders this year, and last year he had nothing outside of Michael Thomas because even Alvin Kamara was hurt, and Kamara is back healthy. I like Breeze. I'm drafting Breeze over Josh Allen, I can tell you that. I might not draft him over Matthew Stafford or Ben Roethlisberger, but I am drafting Drew Breeze. 100% without question over Josh Allen. Fuck Josh Allen. I don't want him <laughs> on my team. <laughs> You're right. He's going to continue to be accurate. He's going to throw five-yard passes all the I way down like the field. He gets big plays on screens, but that's really what has plagued them in the postseason, too, is that they've not been able to consistently go downfield with any sort, sort of uh, zest, I guess you could say. And he does have Emmanuel Sanders, which is going to help with that and get Michael Thomas more more opportunities deep. He's going to have a good season, but what I'm saying is is that there are so <laughs> many guys right around him that will provide such better value in my opinion than Drew Brees. You're even Matt Ryan who's going to be drafted right around there is going to go deep a lot more. I just don't have confidence in Brees like I would have in the past. That is fair to say. I will agree, but I just like Drew Brees. I mean, I'm not targeting him. But if he's there and I need another quarterback, I'm taking him. Yeah, I'm if you can get him at value, absolutely. But do not reach for him just because his name is Drew Brees. You're right. You're right about that. Do not do that. Um, switching it up to running backs now. I'm going to keep it consistent with last year and go with Le'Veon Bell, running back for the New York Jets. I did not like him last year. And I don't like him again this year, as we know. <laughs> he held out all of 2018, which is one big reason why I dislike him as a person. But then he went to the wow. Jets. <laughs> then he went to the Jets, even though Adam Gaze was very clear about not wanting to sign him or spend money on a running back. In 2019, despite having 245 rushing attempts, which was tied for the 11th most, he only finished with 789 yards and three touchdowns. He did add 66 receptions for 461 yards and a touchdown, which helped. And he end up, ended up finishing as the RB16 in PPR leagues, which isn't terrible. Um, he averaged only about 50 rushing yards per game, though, and 3.2 yards per carry, which was a career low. He did average about 14 fantasy points per game in PT. PT, hmm. PPR leagues, <laughs> which actually is pretty good, especially considering how inefficient the Jets were overall at running the ball last season. ESPN has Bell ranked as the RB19 this season, just behind David Johnson and Todd Gurley, and just ahead of Melvin Gordon and James Conner. I like all those guys way better than Le'Veon Bell. You know, the Jets did add some help on their offensive line this year. And I'm not saying I would not draft Le'Veon Bell at all, 
but he's going in the third round on average, and there is absolutely no way I will take him at that point. If he somehow no. dropped around five or six, maybe even four, sure, but no way I'm drafting him in the third round. Yeah, he's he's more of a flex play for me at best until he can prove that he can do better. Yeah. Uh, a few things you mentioned is 3.2 yards per carry. That was the second lowest among qualified RBs last year. The only guy that he beat out was Peyton Barber. Wow. That's the only guy who he was better than. <laughs> also, just one more thing that I want to mention. You mentioned Adam Gase. Yeah. Whatever happened to the memes with his eyes? Do you, do you still see those? <laughs> I, know, I don't know what you're talking about. So when he got hired as the coach of the Jets, he had a really weird thing going on during the, inter or during the uh, news conference where he just had these huge <laughs> eyes going. Like he was just wandering around the room like looking at all the all the cameras doing this. If you don't know what I'm talking about out there, look it up. Google Adam Gase's eyes, <laughs> and you're gonna see just the craziest photos you've ever seen. And how, especially in a town like New York, how did he come back from that? It was, I, it was super strange. I'm looking it up right now because I have to see it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? So I don't know if there is actually anything, you know, if I don't know if it was a medical thing. I think they did ask him about it. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But like during the entire news conference, he was doing that. That's real. Oh, like, yeah. This that's is not photoshopped. That's real. It's 100 percent real. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it became a huge thing. Adam Gase um, has not yet had a lot of success as a head coach. And as an offensive mind, you would think he would be able to unlock Le'Veon Bell a little bit better than he has so far. But we shall see. Uh, my next dislike is one that I am really unhappy about because I think he's a really good player, and that is Debo Samuel, the yeah. receiver of the 49ers. The second year pro broke his foot and had surgery this past June. He had a Jones fracture. Uh, it's now up in the air if he'll be available for week one. And now his fellow receiver with the 49ers, Jalen Hurd, he tore his ACL. So now there's a worry, at least in my mind, that they may push Samuel back a little bit too soon, trying to get him into the starting lineup because of a little bit of a lack of depth. Yeah. If he's healthy, Samuel could have an amazing season, maybe even push for a thousand yards, but his injury is a tricky one. It's really something that needs a lot of time to heal. And I'm just really skeptical he can provide the numbers that his ADP suggests. He's fallen to 38 in the ESPN receiver rankings because of his injury. Before that, he was much higher. I would be careful, especially with receiver this year. There is a ton of depth. You can find a guy that can be productive and a bench player or even better than a bench player is late as like the 60th receiver. Yeah. There's so much depth there. And if you have a guy like Samuel with a huge injury concern, something that he could easily re-aggravate and then be out for the whole season, I would maybe look in a different direction. Yeah, I agree with you, especially, you know, with the injury, and if you're thinking, well, they have to throw to somebody else besides George Kittle, well, we thought the same thing last year, and we liked Dante Pettis, and we were wrong, so... You really just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Dante, 
Dante Pettis was my guy last year, and then he barely even played. He had like six catches or something like that. It was like, where's Dante Pettis? Free Dante Pettis. He was nowhere to be found. I brought it up to make a point, not to throw you under the bus. But George Kittle, he just gets all the targets. So I, I'd stay away from Dubo Samuel. There's no use in taking a risk on somebody who especially has this injury now, and there's plenty of other options out there. My next guy is another running back. This one is not super controversial, I don't think. Carry on Johnson, the running back for the Detroit Lions. And like I said, fortunately, it seems like most people have realized that Johnson does not offer much fantasy value this year. For one, he cannot stay healthy. He's played in only 18 of 32 possible games. But also, the Lions drafted rookie DeAndre Swift, who many people felt was the top running back prospect in this year's draft. Um, No one really knows how the Lions are going to delve out the workload here, and for that reason, I'm out. (laughs) I mean, he's talented, but the fact that he's injury-prone seems more likely that even if Swift doesn't outright take over the spot, which he could very well do at some point in the season, they will at least use him enough to keep Johnson healthy, which doesn't translate well in fantasy. I think his ADP is in round seven, but for me, there are better options for round seven you could take. I personally would rather go for running backs early and take receivers like Michael Gallup or Marquise Brown or a solid tight end in round seven. A lot of options that I consider much better than carry on Johnson. I will not be drafting him. Yeah, same here. Um, and he hasn't gotten more than three TDs on the ground in either of his first two seasons. Wow. So he always seems to be a guy, was it even last year, where he was maybe a top 15 RB in the in the mm-hmm. rankings in that? A lot of people were really high on, on on Johnson. He has never provided the worth fantasy-wise that you would think. So for my next one, I'm going to go back to the receiver that is hurt pool, and I'm <laughs> going to take A.J. Green of the Bengals. He's missed uh, 29 games in the regular season over the past three years. So this is a situation where despite the fact that the Bengals will likely throw a lot because they'll be losing games and they have what is very hopefully a very confident quarterback in Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. there's a huge chance Green finds his way you know, to the DL before pretty much any of that can take place just with his injury history the last few years. He tweaked mm-hmm. his hamstring in practice on August 17th, but since he is saying it's nothing to worry about, trusting who you're drafting to me is way more important than than digging for gold and hoping and wishing that Green can be productive. You mm-hmm. can't draft Green thinking that he's the AJ Green of old. I personally would let someone else take the risk, just like with Debo Samuel. Right around where Green is being drafted, you have Michael Gallup, Marquise Brown, Marvin Jones Jr., Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard. All guys that I would rather have than than A.J. Green. And also with with Green, he may not even be the best receiver on his own team anymore. Tyler Boyd could very easily take that mantle. Mm -hmm. So I would avoid Green really at all costs because you have no idea what you're going to get. Right. It, it's hard to know. Like you said, he's been out so long since like mid 2018, he hasn't played. Right. So he was very good before that, but 
it's been so long. It's hard to know what you're going to get. And if nothing else, he's going to need a lot of time to reacclimate because it has been so long. The off season has been so crazy. And I don't, I can't say I wouldn't draft him ever, but I'm not drafting as my, as my wide receiver one or two or even three. Like I'm going to have all my starters full before I even consider drafting AJ Green. Yeah, yeah. If you have your starters full and everyone else in your league is kind of feeling like you do and everyone's avoiding him and you see the value there, sure. I mean, yeah. if he can somehow find himself again and be the dominant force that he used to be, well, then you've got a value pick. But yeah. like we talked about, the guys around him, Michael Gallup, who in my opinion very easily could be the number one guy with the Cowboys this year and he's being drafted is around the 30th or yeah. 25 to 30 in the receiver pool. It, just the value there for, for green is non-existent. Yeah. Uh, my next guy is another wide receiver. This one might be a little more controversial than my last one of carry on Johnson, but it's Keenan Allen, the wide receiver for the chargers. If you don't know him, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know him, I don't know how you're playing fantasy football. But um, I had a hard time finding players this season that I just disliked. Honestly, I'd pick someone and then I'd do some research and think, hmm, well, they made some good points. So I don't really dislike this person as much as I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, same here. But Keenan Allen for me is not somebody that I hate, but I am very skeptical. He is an incredible talent. No doubt about that. Nobody's arguing that. My biggest issue with Keenan Allen this year has less to do with him at all and more to do with the quarterback play. As far as I can tell, Tyrod Taylor is the next man up there. He is a much more conservative quarterback who likes to check down to the running backs than Phillip Rivers. The Chargers are set on becoming more run-focused, so the projection is that the passing attempts that were 597 last season are going to drop significantly. I do think that Allen will lead the team in targets and receptions, but Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams will also be pretty heavily involved. So another issue is the touchdowns. Tyrod Taylor has never thrown more than 20 touchdowns in a season, and Keenan Allen's most touchdowns in a season is eight. So he got eight when Philip Rivers threw for 32 touchdowns back in 2013. So even if the quarterback changes midseason to the rookie, Justin Herbert, the Chargers strategy isn't going to change. They want to run the ball and win with their defense. I'm not saying avoid Keenan Allen at all costs, but I'm leery of a fourth round ADP. So just beware is all I'm saying. So a few things here. Keenan Allen, you mentioned 2013. Isn't it crazy that he has been around since 2013? Yeah, it, it is. It doesn't seem like he has been, you know, a high fantasy option for that long, but he has. Yeah. Which is just kind of crazy to me to, to yeah. think about. Time flies. Yeah. So then also, Chargers receiver Mike Williams has a shoulder injury now. He might miss a little bit of time. So you would think that maybe that opens up a little bit for Allen, yeah. but I don't necessarily yeah. think that it does because Mike Williams didn't have that much of a crazy impact last year. Right. And he had, a, he had an okay year for being as young as he is. Also, side note with the Chargers, draft Austin Eckler. 
Yes. Tyrod Taylor is going to be throwing down to him so much because, as you said, he checks down. That's what he does. He's going yep. to throw to Austin Eckler so much. Austin Eckler. Yeah. As a principal, I guess I didn't even consider putting him on my like list because I just don't really enjoy talking about the Chargers very much. <laughs> just kind of on principle. However, <laughs> he is going to be a fantasy monster. Yeah, I agree with that. Please draft Austin Eckler if it's you know if it's like the end of the first round and he's available, you will not regret that pick. Uh, sticking in the AFC West, I have another receiver on my dislike list, and his name is Henry Ruggs for the Las Vegas Raiders. Which Isn't that so I weird to say? You, I guarantee you at some point this season, I'm going to say the San Diego Chargers. And at some (laughs) point, I will most definitely say the Oakland Raiders. I'm an old man in that way. I'm really trying to change. Yeah. The receiving core for the Raiders right now is just really, really confusing. So Tyrell Williams is probably not going to be the featured receiver. He has a torn labrum. Mm -hmm. Now they're saying he's going to try and play through it. Yeah, which, which doesn't is doesn't seem that seems awful. It probably is not going to be fun. It is possible. I mean, Cam Newton played with a torn labrum. He didn't play well, but he is throwing with that shoulder. I mean, it's po- I have a torn labrum in my hip right now and I'm living my life, but it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not an NFL player or anything, but you know, I it's painful, but it is possible it's that you can play through it. I guess. I don't know how good he's gonna play true has it, but, and yeah. some chronic foot injuries in the past for tyrell williams as well and then rookie brian edwards it sounds like is being favored for first team reps he has kind of come out of nowhere and john gruden and Derek carr are just apparently over the moon about this guy <laughs> so then that leaves Hunter Renfro, who is elsewhere. It just seems like in fantasy, a lot of people have him as a sleeper mm. in the slot for the Raiders offense. And then there's Ruggs. Uh, he supposedly recovered from a thigh injury that he suffered in the spring where he said he was helping a friend move and suffered a puncture wound on his thigh. I don't wow. know if you remember seeing news about that, but supposedly he is fully recovered. I did well, not see that, but that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> if if Williams uh does miss time, it definitely seems like he's going to, then Ruggs, you would think, is way more talented than Renfro. So maybe he'll get moved to the outside. You wouldn't think that a receiver of Ruggs stature would stick in the slot and then Renfro, who's just his size or smaller, would be an outside receiver. You would think that both of them would need to be inside. So they, at that point, I feel like would have to figure out ways to get Ruggs and Renfro on the field at the same time. But he needs to be in a slot, kind of like a a Tyreek Hill type. I think that's what they were envisioning when they drafted him. But if he does get pushed to the outside, I I think that lowers his fantasy value. But in the end, I I just think with Vegas, there's so much much up in the air. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? And if your draft is maybe the weekend right before the season and there is a clear, clear option, Henry Ruggs is going to be your starter 
in in the you know as the slot receiver Derek Carr is giving you four thumbs up then at, at that point late in your draft maybe rugs is worth drafting at this point on this current day i'm just going to avoid all the receivers for the raiders personally because you don't yeah. really know who the number one option is right yeah i agree with you 100 percent on this one i mean not only is there just uncertainty around the raiders you know who's going to be what rookie receivers are always kind of iffy anyway so definitely somebody mm-hmm. to stay away from there are plenty of other options out there um my next person is and i'm not just saying this because i'm a cowboys fan but <laughs> it is evan ingram the tight end for the giants i'm not a huge giants hater believe it or not i mean i don't like the giants but i hate the eagles the most in our division as most people probably do that's that's how i am about the chiefs i don't really mind the chiefs and i never have but i really don't like the raiders and i really don't like the chargers <laughs> so i i don't really have a reason for that the chiefs have just always been fun and it probably has to deal with you know where i'm from as well yeah but anyway <laughs> um so evan ingram is coming off of liz frank foot surgery in december and if you do not know what a liz frank injury is It's where the bones in your midfoot are broken or the ligaments that support your midfoot are torn. So it is not fun. Um, The surgery was in December, so he should be okay to start the season. And the Giants reporters say he's looking good with that. In three years in the NFL, he has never played a full 16-game slate. In the eight games he played last year, he did average 13.7 fantasy points per game in PPR leagues which is why he's going as the tight end six. But because he is so fragile, I look for the Giants to try to scale back his usage. With all their weapons getting healthy this year, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and Saquon, who was injured the majority of the season, I will say, last year with that high ankle sprain. He mm-hmm. played, but he was injured. I think they'll be able to uh, do that, though. They're going to try to conserve him. For later in the season, I think he's a great athlete, but he is just so injury prone that I feel like they're going to want to protect him again. I wouldn't say I'd stay away from him completely, but if you do draft him, you better make sure you have another solid option in case he goes down. So to me, I don't know if it's worth it to spend my six round pick on him if I'm going to have to use another pick in the mid rounds to get another tight end that might be more reliable. So I, I'm going to stay away from Evan Ingram. One, I don't like to draft Giants anyway because I'm a Cowboys <laughs> fan. But that is not the only reason. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. And I'm about to talk a, a lot more about tight ends too. He's kind of in that range that I'm about to talk about. One thing about Ingram though, three seasons ago when he was a rookie, uh, he had 64 catches, 722 yards, and 115 targets. Yeah. Uh, he finished with the most receptions and yards for a rookie tight end since Jeremy Shockey in in 2002. Wow. So he, you know, had a level of production there as a rookie that is rarely seen. And typically as a tight end, it's tough as a as a rookie. The adjustment to the NFL from college is just mm-hmm. so massive that not a lot of rookie tight ends do much. And he was able to actually have a great season 
it just seems like injuries have really derailed what could have been, and I guess still could be one of the more promising tight end careers ever. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, my final dislike, I guess our final dislike, mm-hmm. is the Hunter Henry tight end of the aforementioned evil Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> um, so Henry, he could still have a very productive season, but we were just talking about Ingram in the same manner. My selection here is all about where he's being drafted, his ADP, his value. He's the number eight tight end on ESPN, and I've seen him as high as five and as low as 16. So there's a lot of variance there. Once you get past the top four consensus tight ends, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, there's a huge drop-off in in production. Mm -hmm. And most of the guys rounding out the top 10 tight ends in the end, honestly, could have very similar numbers to the guy ranked as tight end 15, or maybe even tight end 20. There's yeah. not a lot of difference there with a lot of these players. I'm like with a few of these other dislikes, I'm just here to preach patience and getting value where you can. Instead of doing Hunter Henry here, I would continue to build up your RBs and your wide receivers and maybe even a QB at this point in the draft in these middle rounds and skip Henry, Hayden Hurst, Noah Fant, Blake Jarwin, maybe even Eric Ebron late if you really miss out on a lot of the top tight ends. Mm -hmm. All of these guys are going to be available after Henry. And odds are all of them have better seasons than Henry or at least the same amount of production. And you could have got a lot more value at other positions instead of drafting Henry. Don't reach. And then on, on top of it, Henry has never played all 16 games in a season. Yeah, that's there aren't many guys ranked in the top 10 at any position that have the sort of injury risk that Henry has. For me, he's just a guy I'm going to completely stay away from. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. You know, he and Evan Ingram are kind of in the same boat there together. They've never played in a full season. Hunter Henry is also playing with a new quarterback, as we've said. So that makes him even more questionable to me. I liked him last year. I was high on him. And when he played, he was good, but it's just, is he going to play enough to make where he's going worth it? Right. Right. And just like some of the other guys that we've talked about, whether it be Debo Samuel or Henry, it just seems like this season is even with Drew Brees talking about the depth at a quarterback, there are just so many guys that are going to put up numbers or so much depth in fantasy this mm-hmm. season, especially for some reason, I feel like it's, different from other years maybe it's not maybe it's just because i'm sort of enveloped in researching this current season and i just yeah. see all the all the depth but there's just no reason to go after some of these guys when you can get somebody better a few rounds later yeah just there are going to be a lot of bargains yeah for sure so just to recap really quickly the guys that we liked this year that we're high on Hayden Hurst, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, DK Metcalf, Kareem Hunt, Kenyon Drake, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, Raheem Moster, and Drew Locke. That was way more than I remember talking about this all time. Yeah. <laughs> and then for the guys that we dislike, Josh Allen. Well, the one of us dislikes. I, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I agree. 
<laughs> Le'Veon Bell, Carrion Johnson, Evan Ingram, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel, AJ Green, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Henry, and then finally the future first ballot Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. <laughs> yes. Those are our 20 guys, and we're sticking to it. I'm glad you uh, clarified that Drew Brees is very good still, even though you don't. I feel like everybody thinks every year that Drew Brees is going to be a bust, and then he's just not. Like, he's just not. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I think he's going to have a good year. I just think that everyone around him is going to be a little bit better, (laughs) especially fantasy-wise. No, Drew Brees, the Saints are probably going to end up with the one seed. In the NFC, you know? No. But I, that that's fair. I'm just being a little sensitive. I'm a big Drew Brees fan. So <laughs> I just don't want him on my fantasy team, frankly. <laughs> well, I, I do. So I'll take him. Go for um, it. All right. That's all we've got for you today. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Also, head over to our Instagram and Twitter at BTBW Podcast to ask us any questions you might have about your draft or the season in general. Next week, we'll be talking about sleepers, buzz, and breakout rookies. Keep an eye on. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you later.